Welcome. This is Karen Modakaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet. My friend, we're still in summer, at least if you're listening to this when the show drops. So I'm on the tail end of my trip to Australia, and I look forward to future episodes where I'm going to share with you all that I learned and experienced. And here's the thing. I have always said that life is a classroom. We have so much to learn by going through this beautiful journey that we have that can take your breath away, that can be heart crushing, but it's a thing we call life and it's a classroom. And very unexpectedly, (laughs) this year my classroom has expanded from a geographical standpoint. Now, don't you fret because if you're like, but Karen, I don't travel, I can't travel. I get that. You don't have to travel to all these locations that I have. This is just what my circumstance is. And it's kind of funny or ironic, I guess, because today I'm talking about reframing your story. And I used to have the story of, I hate travel. I would like indulge in it, be like, oh, I hate travel, travel so hard. Every time I come back from a trip, I'd be like, oh, I hate travel. I don't know how my friends do it. For a few years, I was doing that. And then I started looking at my calendar. I'm like, gosh, for a person who hates to travel, I'm gone a fair bit. And and I would have to say no to opportunities or speaking engagements because I'm like, I need to stay home for a bit and stay in my town. And finally, I realized it's not that I hate travel. It's all the things that one must do to be able to get out to travel. And because travel is a deadline to get stuff done, at least for me. And travel also takes me out of my normal routines. And the beauty of my normal routines is I don't have to use much brain juice. I just go about doing my thing and I can get it done. And when I travel, it takes me out of that. So then there's more brain juice. I need to be more agile. The other part about travel is that it's a constant adventure. And my daughter has always had that zest for adventure since she was little. And she still loves travel. She just loves to get on a plane and she loves to go places. She loves travel. And I've lost that bit of zest because I had the story of, I hate travel. I hate travel. And I would look at all the negative things about it. And instead of really unpacking what was going on, and part of it was the deadline, all the stuff that I needed to get done, creating more white space in my life so that I could have the agility to travel. White space before I left, white space upon return. Being okay with getting out of my routine and and then thinking about and creating structure in a different environment. So when I went to Italy, I didn't have my back class to go to necessarily, but I started running again. I went, I had a partner, we go running and and I just embraced the suck in it and I thought I was slow and that's okay. And I got to run along the beautiful Amalfi Coast and it was quite gorgeous. And I was laughing because I called my husband and I'm like, who am I running on this highway that I would never do in California? But all of a sudden I'm in Italy and I'm doing it. And it was twofold. It was one, it was a way for me to get movement in. And two, it was a way for me to see a part of the world that I wouldn't have seen had I not gone out and explored early in the morning. And that's something I used to love to do. Anytime I would travel, I used to love to go find a neighborhood or someplace that I would want to run and explore. And I went and did that in Italy. So I took something that's part of my normal routine, but didn't have, 
And then I incorporated just a variation of it, a variation of movement. And then the idea about travel being an adventure, it's like, oh, there's risk to an adventure and what bad things can happen. And I remember when I, my final destination in Italy was in Naples and people warned me about Naples. And, and this was a friend who actually grew up in Italy and is Italian, but I, in some ways I was almost petrified of like, what am I going to encounter? And really I was getting picked up and being taken away. So it wasn't that I was in the town and I don't know, maybe I'm being ignorant, but then downside of the adventure, there's also an upside. Who do you meet? What do you see? How do you see things differently? Are you paying more attention than in your day-to-day life because you're used to it? And so sometimes we just get a little blind to what's in, in our environment there. The other thing about travel is that this adventure or meeting people or seeing things, there's vulnerability right? And we all know we don't like vulnerability, uncertainty, emotional exposure, and risk. We don't like that. But there's vulnerability. But when we remind ourselves that life is vulnerable, and that's part of the experience, and that's part of the pathway to get to what we want. You know, I don't love a nine or 10 hour plane ride to Italy, but that was there was no other way to get there until you know, we have that Star Trek transporters that can take us someplace that is the pathway. Same thing with coming to Australia. That is a long trip and that is the pathway. Vulnerability, my friend, is the pathway, but it gets us the things that we so want, the things that we so desire. But when you're willing to be vulnerable, travel can also be filled with connection. And whether it's being with people that you already know, and like I've been traveling with my family and along with some other people, and the moments that you can have in travel, or when I was traveling in Italy and the people that I met or when I went to Big Sky, Montana this summer and the other people that I met. So there's so many opportunities in travel. So I've let go of my story of I hate travel. And when I did, look what came into my life, more travel, but it's been fantastic. And I'm so, so grateful. And it's also been a lot and that's okay. Before we get started on today's show, I have a question for you. Okay, my friend, we're friends. And I know you like to listen to this podcast because here you are week after week. But have you left your iTunes review? Come on now, let's leave a review. It helps the show. And it also lets me know what do you like? What don't you like? Right? So if you are worried about what do I write because it's a blank space, I have some questions for you. But before we even do that, remember, you don't have to do it perfectly. Just give yourself the constraint of 120 seconds. This would be good practice for you because especially if you tend to be an overachiever and an overdoer and more is better and you're, you're like listening to these concepts, what a great small step to practice here of taking 120 seconds and doing this. So you can answer the question of like, what's the favorite thing you've learned on the show? Why do you listen? Why do you recommend the show to others? When you really, really love something, do you share it with somebody else? And here you are really, really loving the show and let's share it with others. So before we go on to the show, I'm going to do a shout out to DHJ59, who wrote, I love positive podcasts like this one. Such good thoughts. I'll be listening again. So thank you, DHJ59, for taking, hopefully it took you 120 seconds to write that. Big shout out to you, my friends. And now let's get to today's show, reframing your story. So the first thing is, what is story? What am I talking about? We are story-making creatures. Our brain is hardwired for story. We love to tell stories. We like to think stories and we're so good at it. And what happens is that when in the white space of something happening, 
our brain gives us a dopamine hit. So it rewards us. So for instance, growing up in my house and there was a whole bunch of stuff going on and people that had pain and, you know, our family had financial problems. There was alcohol issues. There was a whole bunch of stuff. My mom was Korean. My dad was white. I don't think in their family of origin, neither parents were very happy about this biracial marriage. Even though I grew up in the Bay Area with a lot of different races, there was still the stigma that they came against. So in all of this stuff that was going on, my little brain of my little self was like, oh, well, all this bad stuff is happening because I'm a loser from Loser Street. And I didn't, I wasn't aware of this story until much later into my late twenties, maybe even probably like late twenties, early thirties of like, oh, this is this limiting belief that I have. And anytime something bad happens, it's because I'm a loser. So that was my story for a long time. And if you would talk to me, I, especially once I learned about authenticity and codependency and all of that, and was like, oh, let me tell you all the bad stuff that has happened because I was like, let me share this. But I realized the way I was framing it was very disempowering. It was very much a victim of look what happened to me versus who am I and what strength have come out of it. So what is your story? Your story is the thoughts that you believe over and over. And a belief is a thought that you've attached to. And you tell the story and you tell the story over and over. So I'm going to talk about different stories today to give you more examples. But what do you tell yourself? How do you share your life story with others? And notice how others share their story with you. So last month we had our championships with the Aqua Monsters. And one of the big deals is, and has always been this way, is the coaches relay. It's so much fun. And the coaches relay has been serious business. And recently in this new league that we're in, the coaches and the parents actually race. And which until recently hasn't been that big of an issue, but last year going into the coach's parents relay, we almost lost. Some of our parents are total badass studs and we almost lost. So there was a lot of pent up like, okay, we're going to be serious about this because we can't lose because it's in the middle of the meet. The meet has stopped. All the kids at the meet, there's, I don't know, 600 kids, they come down, they're on the deck, they're sitting around the poolside and they're watching. So not only are you racing, but you're actually in a race where actually people are watching because oftentimes what happens at a swim meet is, you know, kids are always worried that everybody's watching them. And I'm like, look, for the most part, you're lucky if your parents and your coach is watching because everybody else is going, when's my next race? How much longer till we get out of this place? Right. And that's a story. So this coach is really, is a really big deal. And one of the things that happened was we had these parents and some were really serious about it. And I gave them a a one parameter because I thought, you know, proper role modeling would be not to have it be all guys. Let's have a mixed gender. And so I told them they had to have one female on the team and they did. And so one dad, his son wasn't even swimming that day. He was done the day before, but he happily agreed to come and swim in this race. And the coaches were constantly talking about it because the coaches had, if anything, a lot to lose, right? Because if they win, well, they're expected. And if they lose, then the parents have it over them. It's just a little competition and it's all fun, good competition, but kind of pride's on the line. So it was really cool because there were three dads and one mom. And then on the coaches staff, there were three female coaches and one male. Now the male happened to be 
the Olympian, Scott Welts, who I've talked about on the show before. Two of the other coaches are either former Division One or current Division One athletes, and then one was a high school athlete. And they're coaches. They're all coaches. They're on the staff. Some are senior staff, some are junior staff. And then you have the three dads and one mom. But so they raced and it was really cool because it was pretty neck and neck. And in fact, I think the parents really was ahead of us. And then at the last anchor was the freestyle leg and Scott swam freestyle, even though he's a breaststroke Olympian. He swam freestyle and dives in against the mom. And, you know, it's like, first you have somebody who's stronger and faster just based on gender. And then you have an Olympian. And later I was thinking about as I was grabbing lunch and stuff. And I thought, oh, I really set up that poor mom. So here, listen to the story. That poor mom, I set her up, right? And I shouldn't have made that rule. And now she had to lose in front of everybody so far ahead. And then I thought about it. I go, that's a really disempowering story. You know, and I was kind of beating myself up for putting this parameter. And then I was saying the poor mom, instead, I thought about it. I'm like, wait a second. She's a badass. She's a true badass because she was willing to be brave. She went head to head against an Olympian and she did it. She executed. So she can now say to her kids, like, look, I get it that you're afraid. I had to swim a race against an Olympian. My relay team lost and everybody was watching. And guess what? I survived too. If I can do that, you can do that. Like we can live to talk about it another day. And I've been so impressed and I love that story. Like I get tingles now and I'm sitting up straighter when I talk about that story from a place of empowerment instead of, oh, that poor mom. She had to go up against Scott. That's just so unfair. And I set her up and her husband set her up on that. Instead, it's like, wow, she was so brave and courageous. They're both true stories. Which one do you want to pick, my friend? The one that is like, oh, poor thing. Or the one that that woman is brave and a badass. I choose that story. So that's a very good example about how do we want to reframe the story? What's the story we want to tell? And, you know, and like her daughter was like, mom, you lagged. And of course, any tweener is going to like look down at their kids because that's the kid's job to do is keep our parents humbled. You know, but the other side is that what a role model that she was for so many of our kids of saying, look, I'm not going to be afraid of competition. It's okay that he's a boy. It's okay that he may be stronger or younger and also a former Olympian. I'm going to get up and do my best and I'm not going to quit. That is fantastic role modeling. So think about the stories that you tell yourself, right? So it's so important to think about this because I deal with this all day long with my clients. And so like, here's another example. So not many of you, I don't think are doing coach parent relays out there in the world, but it could be, maybe you want to have a life partner and you've either gone through a divorce or maybe you haven't been married yet. And so you have that story of like, look, I'm in my forties. I've never been married and I really want to be in in a life partnership, but you have a story of well, I'm just not meant to end up with anyone because look at all my past failed relationships. When you tell yourself that story, how do you feel? My hunch is you're probably feeling hopeless. Probably like, well, this isn't possible for me. I don't think it's a practical statement because I do believe that love is possible. That's just my belief. So instead, if you can reframe that story to look, Maybe my life experience to this point is that I've been practicing and I've been getting to know what I desire and what I definitely don't want. Isn't that just even a better story? It's not changing it. It's not the fairy godmother of you're going to live happily ever after. It's just owning your story 
And it's also loving yourself, right? And this is an example of when Brene Brown talks about owning your story and loving yourself is the bravest thing you can do because you're owning it and you're loving yourself. And why is it so brave? Because you're kind of saying, hey, it could be possible. I'm not going to close that door. I'm not going to armor up. I've been practicing and getting to know what I desire and what I definitely don't want. My hunch is that is true, right? And you can check in with that. So I'm not saying reframe your story with some sort of airy fairy, you know, belief that you want, you know, that's not true. That's a lie to yourself because we lie to ourselves enough. That's not what we're talking about. What I'm talking about is tell yourself the truth and frame it in a way that you feel empowered, you feel inspired, you feel confident, where you feel enough. And then that's where you want to take action from. Another reframe could be, hmm, I'm now clear on what I want in this next chapter. I know what I tolerated in the past, no longer willing to tolerate it. Those last two sentences don't even need to be. It can be just look, I'm now clear on what I want in this next chapter. And if you feel empowered, if you feel confident, right, if you feel love, that's when you go and you take action. We don't want to go and take action from a place where we're in shame and we're beating ourselves up or we're hopeless because a lot of times you're just going to want to go hide and, you know, go on a Netflix binge. And for those of you that remember bonbons, eat bonbons. I love using that as an example, even though I don't think they've sold bonbons in this century. So for you youngins out there, you may not know what I'm talking about. Another example, and this came from when I did the mindset workshop, one of the members said that, you know, her belief was that her story is that I'm a fraud and she's a fraud. It's something that she'd been doing for almost a couple decades. Right. And usually that kind of stuff just leads to the next thought of, oh, I'm going to get fired. Right. That dress rehearsing tragedy. So the problem with crappy stories is that it just leads to further shame stories. It doesn't lead to uplifting stories. And we all love the uplifting stories, right? The pud who becomes a stud, the the underdog who overcomes. We love that, but we need to be coming from a place of inspired, empowered, confident enough. We need to come from those places. So a better reframe would be like, hey, there seems to be a gap on my deliverable versus the partner's expectations of the product of my end. And if that gets you into like, maybe curious. And I know that for some of you that may not be curious, but that's more of a growth mindset of like, okay, there's a gap. And for me, like, because I talk about gaps all the time and about closing the gap between the aspired and the reality, let's close the gap instead of defining the gap as it's a done deal and it's over. So because I have that mindset, that filter that I'm looking through, I can feel very curious with that story. But for you, you may not. Maybe it's more about frustration, like, ah, it's just not fitting right. Okay, my friend, like, check in. That's probably still better than shame. So it's a little bit better. It's not in the positive feeling states, but it's a little bit better. Then it could be, look, I'm working on closing the gap. And if you can be in the growth mindset and love yourself, it's going to be much better story for you to tell yourself. So my invitation to you now is to go test this out for yourself. What I want you to first do is write out your stories. Are you familiar with your stories? Like I often talk about, I'm a loser. That's like one of my longtime stories. I really let that one go. But what are your stories that you've told yourself? Like, is it that, oh, well, this is my family of origin. This is what happened to me. You know, I was brought up without any emotions. So therefore I have no emotions. Is that the story you want to have? Or do you want to have emotional intelligence? It could be, I am learning how to feel my feelings. And you can even add, and it's scary as all get out. And that's okay. Own your story. The key is you must love yourself. 
Really, really, let's do that, please. This is our one precious life. Why not just say yes to ourselves? Why not just love ourselves? But we have to do that with the stories that we tell ourselves. So write out your stories. Notice what are the stories you tell about your past. If you hear me talk about my past versus how I used to 10 years ago, 20 years ago, it's very much, it can be very similar things, but there's very different energy behind it because of the words that I choose to use. You know, there's so many things. Now I can look back at my past and go, wow, that whole experience is what made me who I am today. And without it, I wouldn't be who I am today. I wouldn't be good with money. I wouldn't have this grit and this perseverance that I have if I hadn't gone through that. So I'm so thankful. And instead of being this victim in my life, I'm very empowered in my life. What's the story you tell about your present? (laughs) So an example of this is that I live a very full life if you haven't figured this out. And this past week, there was a lot going on. And part of me wanted to indulge like, this isn't fair. It's ridiculous. Except the problem is this whole fairness thing is I set it all up this way. This is all on me. So a few years ago, maybe three or five years ago, when I was looking at my day and going, oh, and it was so daunting, I didn't even want to get out of bed because there was so much on that calendar. I asked myself, I said, well, Corinne, you get to choose. Like, what don't you want to do? You don't have to do any of this. What don't you want to do? What are you willing to give up? Would I give up the aqua monsters? Would I give up my coaching? Give up the podcast? What am I willing to give up and just let it go to create more space? And I went through it and I went through it and I was like, well, I don't want to give up that. I love the monsters. That's like one of my greatest love affairs and one of my most painful, <laughs> heart-wrenching moments as well. Hence the love affair part. You know, do I want to give up my clients? I love the work that I do. Do I want to give up this podcast? Because, you know, I've been speaking a long time. There's been many hundreds of episodes. I don't even want to think about how many hours of the show. And I didn't want to give up those things. So I thought, okay, well, you can say, I have to do all this and poor me and life is so hard, Corinne. But I reframed it and I said, okay, that's final. I choose all of this. So I came up with that new story, I don't know, three or five years ago. And guess what I use this week? I choose all of this. If I don't want to do this, then what am I willing to let go of? What needs to change? What do I choose to change? And I like that better because it allows me to be the leader of my life. I get to create how I focus on where I want to go. And knowing that there's still stuff that in my life that we all have those shit jobs or tasks that we do and we have to do something about it, right? Maybe I could hire somebody else to do it. There's still a cost to me to do that. Or I do it and I'm getting up at four in the morning to make sure it gets done. That is part of the process, but it's still a choice. So I choose this. And if I want to live differently, what am I willing to choose? And that has really shifted my perspective and allowed me to feel better. So my friend, how do you want to feel when you tell your stories about your past, about your present? What's the story you want to tell about your future? And when you feel, notice, like when you write your original stories down, what's the feeling states it dials up? Is it shame? And that's that gut-wrenching feeling. For those of you that are newbies at this, it's okay if you're a newbie. One of my clients got offended this week because I called her a newbie. It's okay. If you're a newbie, you may not know what shame is. It may feel like sadness, anger, frustration. 
And because you not, may not realize underneath it's that voice of, I'm not enough. I'm a fraud. There's something wrong with me. I'm bad. I'm broken. So that's shame. Is it shame? Is it frustration? Is it anxiety? Is it resentment? Just notice when you tell the story, is that how you feel? And instead, I invite you, what would a true empowered story be? That is what I'd love for you to have. Remember, you get to be the author of your life story. What version do you want to live by? How do you want to view your life? How do you want to feel inspired and empowered? I started this show back in 2006. We're almost coming up on another anniversary. And my intention has always been inspired, empowered, and entertained. That's how I want you to feel after you listen to the show and you move through your life. So instead of just listening to the show to be inspired and empowered, you can reframe your own stories to be an inspired and empowered. And even me just saying, I choose this allows me to feel empowered versus feeling like a victim, feeling out of control of my life, which would be overwhelmed, right? So you get to write the story by telling yourself the truth and reframing it so that you feel better. Because my friend, how do you want to treat yourself? Do you want to treat yourself with joy and love and confidence, or do you want to beat yourself up? And instead, I invite you, let's finally get to enough and let's be confident in ourselves. So go out and practice this. And if you haven't already, and you need help with this reframing, this is what we do in the mindset workshop. And I understand it can sound so simple. And then you sit behind a piece of paper and you're like, hmm, because I know you can download it. Many of you have been downloading the PDF that we offer the mindset practice workbook. Go ahead and download it. But if you want help with that, want coaching, I have the workshop. The next workshop's coming up in September and it's a virtual workshop. That means that you can be anywhere in the world. We will be together. It's so cool. I love it. We're the Brady Bunch. That's the way we look. And virtual workshops, virtual coaching is highly effective. You may have not known that, but it is. And group coaching is really powerful because you can see how other people have blind spots. And when you're directly coached one-on-one, you may have a harder time with it. But then the coaching that you see somebody else go through is very, very effective. The other thing is you start to realize you really aren't alone. So it's life transforming. The link is in the show notes. Go ahead and sign up and I'll see you in September. Until next time, I'm smiling big for you. Hey there, before we go, I have a question for you. Have you subscribed to the show yet? This is an awesome opportunity for you to preserve your brain juice. I love the fact that I can subscribe to podcasts and television shows and they go straight to my iPhone or they go straight to my DVR and then I don't have to worry of, oh no, especially with television shows. Did I hit record? Is it going to be there? Or now do I have to watch it on demand and go through all the commercials? So go and hit the subscribe button. There's a link in the show notes and that will ensure you that you never miss a show and you can also save your brain juice for other things in your life. There's way more important things, but you and I will still be connected because the show will be waiting for you in your phone. Go to the link in the show notes, subscribe to the show so you can automatically get all the shows to your phone. On a lake, she is dreaming, she is drifting, never been so wide awake.